Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 21. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas. And in this episode, I interviewed Pablo Fuentes, the CEO of Proven. Pablo addressed some important points like acknowledging the fear when the fear shows up and self-responsibility in everything you do. And also, he talked about how lonely the world of entrepreneurship can be and how mental health issues have been on a rise everywhere. I hope you enjoyed the interview after the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu's message. Os. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Pablo Fuentes. Pablo is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and he's the founder and CEO of Proven, a leading small business hiring platform and content hub. He also hosts Small Business War Stories, a weekly podcast where he interviews small business owners and operators. Pablo obtained a degree in political science from UCLA and an MBA from the Stanford Graduate School of Business. He has been honored as a champion of change and invited to the White House to speak about proven and mentoring minority and women entrepreneurs. Pablo also has a passion for blues music and strives to live by the values of resilience and accountability. Welcome to the show, Pablo. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So tell us, how did the BJJ show up in your life? Uh, Jiu-Jitsu first showed up in my life in 2011. I was going through a particularly difficult period of my life uh, where I was just struggling with a, a lot of things. We started my company. I was only about two years into the journey. And uh, I had some friends who had tried it. And uh, I realized that, you know, I, I was a, a grown man, but I, if, if push came to shove, if I needed to, you know, defend myself, I, I didn't mm -hmm. really have any... Um, I didn't really know much about anything about how to, how to do that. And, uh, yeah, I showed up and I got really hooked on it and, uh, yeah, started training quite a bit. And for me, there were so times when, when I started the company, when my head was so full of so many different things gotcha. that, uh, whenever I would show up to jujitsu, the volume would get turned down and everything else. And the only thing I could really be there is jujitsu, you know, that's nice. And how do you feel BJJ relate to life? 
I mean, I think, you know, in, in the sense that it demands presence. So the, you cannot be rolling or flowing and be thinking about your grocery list or what's going on with the, uh, you know, you got to fix the toilet or, uh, uh, you know, whatever else uh, that you're, you have to pick up your kids from, from school. You, it uh, demands attention. And I think the more in everyday life that we can demand that, that would let, things demand attention from us and only focus on what's in front of us, I think the better off we'll be. I think we all have the problem where we spent a lot of times in our heads, living in our heads and not in what's in front of us. And that invitation to presence uh, to me is really valuable. Awesome. And where did you start training? What's the name of the school and the teacher? Yeah, so I originally started training on a Carlos Sapon, who's a, uh, a black belt from Half Gracie and uh, on San Francisco and Ocean Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I trained, uh, that's where I got my blue belt. I got my purple belt from Homo Lomelo, who is a uh, uh, instructor and fighter in, uh, <clears throat> in San Francisco as well. And he, um, uh, he can't, he's from the <clears throat> more the Humaita branch from mm-hmm. like uh, uh, Andervini Ayeta and Hoyler. Yeah, and uh, I currently train with uh, Paulo Coelho um, Brandao, who's uh, he is from the same. It's Gracie Humaita Austin, and uh, it's directly from from the Hoyler lineage. Yeah, old school guy. I know exactly yeah. who he is. <clears throat> now, yeah. when did you have the spark to pursue the vision with Proven? When was that moment? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a moment. I, I think there was a few different things that came together. I was in grad school uh, get, getting my business degree and I used to work in investments. And I realized that even though that's something that you can make money and it's profitable, it wasn't something that was feeding my soul. So I wanted to create something and make something that makes a difference in people's lives. And so it was a more of a process of investigating uh, different ideas. And I was really scared. I was really scared. Uh, on the one hand, I realized that I'm not a great employee. So I needed to be able to, you know, start something if I, because I, I knew I would be more successful that mm-hmm. way. Um, but at the same time, I also realized that I was, uh, uh, I didn't have an idea. So it was more of a process of figuring out what I'm going to do. And one of the things that we have a lot of listeners, we do have entrepreneurs and we do have a lot of people in transition, people that maybe in a corporate world yeah. and they're not happy and they do have some type of spark. They want to do something, but fears and doubts and anxieties end up holding people back. Now, you mentioned briefly about the fears. So how did you handle the fears and doubts when they came up? Um, Yeah, so I think you have to acknowledge them. I think you can't pretend like you're not scared. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, even Hickson has talked about how when he was uh, doing all these big fights in Japan, uh, the, you know, all the stuff that's chronicled and the choke documentaries and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, they, that, that big run that they had, you know, with pride and everything They he was scared every time he stepped onto the, into, into the rink to fight, you know, people who are very strong and very capable. I think, um, what's important is to acknowledge that we're all scared. I think anybody who says that they're fearless, there's probably something wrong with them. Like mm-hmm. you need to, you, fear is a part of life. Um, and I think the moment you acknowledge that fear and say, hey, okay, I'm scared, that makes the fear kind of lose some of the grip and its power. It's still there, but it's not as, um, as powerful. So, yes, fear is a thing. And I'm still afraid about things every day. Uh, and I think, I think most people are, and that's okay. I think uh, the, the, way, the way to get to the, uh, the other side of fear is, is through the fear, not around the fear. Mm-hmm. 
And it's interesting that my son is 18. We're in 2018 right now. When he was about 11 or 12, I was driving out of nowhere. He asked me, Dad, how come you're not scared of anything? I said, well, where where did he get this from? And I was like, oh, no, you always do whatever you want. I was like, you're very wrong, buddy. Like, Dad is scared of a lot of things. I just don't let that fear control me. And that's the... I think the best tip that we can give to the listeners is just make sure. Yeah. And I love that you said to acknowledge that, you know, recognize that the fear is yeah. there and um, just don't let that control you. And, and, yeah. And if, and if at any point it does control you because we all, we're all imperfect that there will mm-hmm. be times where maybe it does control you uh, be forgiven of yourself in that being like, okay, that just happened. And then uh, um, honor that moment. And with, precision gentleness and then move forward because the problem is that if you turn that like oh i just let fear control me then you can create and spin up an entire new web of more fear of like well what's going to happen if i let fear control me tomorrow or, or or yesterday or like why did i let fear control me 10 years ago uh and you, we end up getting into our heads and, and spending all our time doing that so yeah no i really like you said that because a few episodes again uh, I think a, a few episodes ago, we were talking about this, about the, um, of you not, not just being so hard on yourself, that self-forgiveness in a way that recognizing, yes, it's, it's okay. And uh, this is something that over the years, I definitely got better. As I improved my, my self-awareness, I felt that in the beginning, I was moved more like that way. Man, yeah. you see that? What's wrong with you? Let's go, boom, get it cranking. And the, uh, I think as we get older and we raise our emotional maturity level, just start going to a different route of the self-forgiveness, which yeah. is huge. And people should not underestimate what you said at all. Now, what do you feel that it's uh, maybe some help, some tips that you could give to pe- especially people who are in transition or maybe even entrepreneurs are kind of afraid of taking that bigger step? Yeah. What would you have to uh, share with them? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is not make it a big step. <laughs> it's make it breaking it up into a series of smaller steps, right? Like so uh, I have a podcast like we were talking about called Small Business War Stories. So I sit down, uh, I've sat down with almost 100 people around the country in the last two years. Uh, and I do all of my shows in person. So I do them, I drive, I drove 10,000 miles last year, whatever it is, 16,000 wow. kilometers. Uh, and uh uh, in, in sitting down with people, one of the things that I kind of noticed that there's this pattern of you have to, if you, if you want to do something different, start by doing like a little bit thing different, maybe do one hour per night with something that's something else that you want to do and really focus on that one thing. And then maybe two, two hours per night, uh, and, and figure out what the next step is. And, at some point, so an analogy, I'm writing a book right now about all the things I've learned uh, that's coming out next year. And uh, one of the things I write in the book is, is this analogy of like, you know, first you pace the train, meaning like if there's a train, that's mm-hmm. like a different alternative. You have to like run next to it to catch it and jump onto it. You know, like the people that catch rides in the trains. Mm-hmm. But then once, once you catch the train, once you go on fast enough with what you're doing, at some point you have to have the discrete decision to burn the ships, to leave everything else that you were doing behind. Just don't do that. It shouldn't be a decision of something that you make from one day to the next. Find a way. And for me, the way I did that was through graduate school. I was in graduate school, so I was in a position where I was able to get things going fast enough 
for me to go into this thing. So it's not like I left my job from one day to the next and started mm -hmm. a company. Um, but I think it's wise for people to have enough momentum and something else they're doing. But at some point, there has to be a moment of bravery and then just leaving everything else behind and going for it. Absolutely. Now, what did you say is, uh, has been your toughest entrepreneurial moment during your journey? And, and what did you learn from it? <laughs> Jeez, man, so many. Um, I mean, at one point, we had to let go. We went from 15 people to three people in one day. We had to let everybody go because we were running out of money. Man. And that was very difficult. Uh, there was also a couple that we'd hired from Canada. And uh, the second day of their job, we had to let them go. And they moved to the U.S. from Canada to work for us. And uh, so I gave them my apartment uh, to stay because I felt personally responsible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was uh, basically staying at my then girlfriend's place, had my clothes in the back of my car. Um, so that was difficult. Um, they, uh, I've had two different business partners. One left uh, two years in. I started my business nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And then another one left about a year ago. So it's been, uh, I've had different business partners and different people involved. And I'm still very good friends with all of them. I'm, a, I'm actually a wedding officiant. And I officiated the wedding of one of them. Uh, and we're still still very good friends. But sometimes people have different parts of the journey yeah. that they, sh they, they share with each other. So I've had a couple of different founder departures. I actually, in one of my podcasts, I think episode nine, uh, back, back way back in the day, I interviewed Joe Mellon, who's my original business partner, about what it was like to break up with me as a business partner. Mm -hmm. And what did you learn from, especially that phase that you had to let go of so many people? What was the lesson around there? Man, there's a lot of lessons. I mean, first of all, it's all about personal accountability and responsibility, right? It was my fault. It was my, the decisions that I made. You can't blame anybody else. If you blame like, oh, the product, the customers did this, or oh, the market didn't do this. Uh, the moment you start blaming other people, you're going the wrong direction. So the first thing you have to do is accept that everything that happened under your watch is your responsibility. And it's your responsibility to, to go forward from there. Uh, I think that's that's a crucial first step to to get through those things. Um, it, the moment you start blaming everybody else for your problems, I mean, that's just like, a, you know, it's a very basic defense mechanism that we have that our ego, when our ego has that defense mechanism, oh, is this person's fault or this person's fault? Like, why did this happen to me? And fuck, man, like, you know, can I cuss in this podcast? I don't that's know. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's like, okay, it's like, you know, everybody deals with like really difficult shit. Mm -hmm. Not everybody tells you about it. You know, there's a lot of the, you know, everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Absolutely. Uh, so it's up to you. Nobody cares if you brush your teeth. Nobody cares if you save your money. You are the only person that cares about that. And nobody, nobody's going to be feel sorry for you when, when you have a root canal. You know, it's, it's, your, your, it's your responsibility to assess your life and figure out how you need to make it better. I love it. And at the episode four, we had Flavio Almeida here, and he talked a lot about the personal responsibility. And I feel that my, my entrepreneurial career, I think it started to take off when I started to absolutely do that, take more responsibility of, because yeah, we all have been through moments of our lives that we blame someone or did whatever until yeah. really realize exactly everything that you just said, that it's on you. You know, uh, yeah. it's not a team sport that, oh, I got it. No, it's you. It's, you know, it's it in jujitsu. A lot of people say, like, it's nice that we had a 
uh, one of our guests saying that, man, I used to play uh, team sports, but, you know, sometimes like, oh, the goalie messed up is the goalie messed up that or, you know, when you get to a point, it's just hey, it's it's about you taking care of your responsibility and jujitsu yeah. it's one of the things that you can blame anyone that's one of the things that we can definitely say in jujitsu that there's no one to blame but you the choices that you make you know during a match yeah i mean for i've competed and anytime i've done well in competition so as a blue belt i won like the san francisco open and then also i showed up to masters worlds i got crushed in the first round yeah, the difference, I never won or lost tournaments at the tournament. Every single time I won or lost a tournament, it was done for the weeks and months before on the mm -hmm. mat and in, in nutrition and the sleep and everything else. And obviously there are like little factors, but those are not going to be the big deciding factors. The big deciding factors are going to be what did you do before to get to that place? Mm -hmm. And how did, you do, uh, how did you feel mentally when you competed? Did you feel like you were able to... Uh transfer all your your training well to the comp because sometimes i i personally struggled and yeah. you know for a long part of my career so how do you feel ah uh, yeah i mean i definitely struggled the, uh, <laughs> i to me a lot of the moments where i was on the mat and big tournaments uh they're just i feel like i was in the twilight zone it's mm -hmm. uh i play blues music and i've gotten to play you know antones and and some other big stages here in austin and uh it's kind of the feeling like that like you're kind of floating in this other like reality and ether and then you kind of come back to it it's like your brain gets into this peak state of attention and and flow and then uh yeah it's it's like it's like a movie it's like it's like it wasn't me actually on the matter <laughs> it was like somebody else you know and i hear and there's something that i always mention with with the listeners too and uh the bj mental coach started because of that of me overcoming my yeah. issues with performing and i created this list of the top 10 mental mistakes jujitsu competitors make and how to avoid them which yeah. was basically based on the mistakes that i made from white uh basically from blue belt to black belt in competition yeah. and for all the listeners yeah. who haven't had a chance, you can go to YouTube or the BJJMentalCoach.com. You can download for free the audio and can watch the video as well. And it's amazing how this, at least I feel that it, it helped a lot. And even on a not my just personal professional level, learning how to deal with your emotions, being in under pressure situations like the tournament and be able to perform like you need to put a, you know, a pitch, you need to do a presentation, you need to be emotionally stable, be able to transfer all your knowledge to people and you have to be ready mentally yeah. for that. Yeah. And I, I will say this, uh, I don't know. So I'm not currently competing. I competed about a year ago at Purple Belt. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not currently competing. I'm currently training like probably once a week or so and doing privates with Paulo. And I'm training, I'm doing a lot of physical training right now, doing a lot of weightlifting and things like mm -hmm. that. And, and jujitsu is still a part of my life, but not as much. I mean, there are times when I'll train four or five times a, a week and that's not no longer the case. It's still an important part. My purple belt hanging on the wall right there. And it's, it's something that is important to me, but it's not as central in my life as it once was. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say that uh, you just did a comparison between com competing and things like public speaking i've done a lot of public speaking so uh, i spoke at the white house and i've done a lot of public speaking in different places and i've done enough public speaking to where i'm to the point where i'm able to do well and really like execute on all the things that i know when i'm on stage mm -hmm. i don't think i've competed enough in jujitsu i've only competed 
I don't know, seven, eight, maybe 10 times. I call it 10 times in my life mm-hmm. uh, in, in different tournaments. So I don't know that I've competed enough in jiu-jitsu to get to the place. I do know that when as people do it more and more and turn that into a lifestyle, they're able to the more, you know, get those pathways in the brain there to where you're able to apply more and more of what you learn uh, in, in, in the academy on, on the mat in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had some my good results here and there, but I feel that in my career is basically maybe dividing two parts prior studying mental skills training and after. And uh, I feel like after it was very uh, clear to me when I was competing, I was really trying to challenge myself. And for so long, I felt like even achieving some good results, I never felt that a uh, no, never. Very few times I felt I was being my own self on a mat. You know, yeah. sometimes, you know, the fear of making mistakes, you know, so forth. And I felt that after I started studying in 2010, my mindset shifted that I was like, I, I wasn't even caring so much about the winning before it was the winning. It was kind of driving me, you know, and I wasn't aware of a lot of things like I was the fear of disappointing others. What people going to think of me? Oh, things that, you know, I really didn't realize until I started to become more self-aware. And after that, it just released a lot of the pressure for me that I'm doing, I was doing that for myself. And I was, my goal was let me transfer everything that I'm doing at the academy. And if, if I can do that, I have better odds of achieving the outcome that I want and be fulfilled of with my performance. So that's one of the yeah. things that I hope for athletes is just be at peace. At the end of the match, yeah. it's like, it was me. Congratulations. Clap for the yeah. opponent. And but also also like don't underestimate the value of repetition of doing something over and over mm-hmm. and in, for example my podcast right so i'm like i've what we've released like 80 something episodes and now uh, i've recorded close to like 100 i'm almost two years in right now and uh, i've done i like i mentioned i do them in person and if I hear my early episodes, they're not very good. Like they, yeah. I, I, I say a lot of "aha, uh-huh, yeah, aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh, aha," uh-huh, which is fine in normal everyday conversation, but uh, in a in a podcast setting, there's times where I sound very uh, jumpy and and not on it. So they, I, you know, I listen to my own podcast, listen to my own mistakes, took notes, listen to people who are very good at interviewing, and I'm sure. You know, if, if I don't look back two years from now at my podcast today and say, oh, my God, you know, I, I've advanced so much, I, then it means that I haven't been growing. So you always have to be growing and you always have to be. I think the mistake that that I've made in the past with some things and I think a lot of people make is saying like, oh, this happened. So it's that way forever. Like, so mm-hmm. you're in a, you're in a, you're in a tournament and you, uh, I don't know, like, let's just say you had somebody in Noma Plata and you didn't grab their belt. So they rolled forward and you're like, Oh my God, that's so obvious. So easy. I should have known that. Like, it's so dumb. And you beat yourself up and you think because I wasn't able to do that in that setting that one time, that's going to be that way forever. I think the key is to just, you know, keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up and just get better and better and better. Uh, and, uh, it sounds so obvious, but we Mm -hmm. still, I mean, humans, we're funny little creatures. We make stupid mistakes all the time. So it's, uh, to me, it bears repeating that. Yeah. Showing up matters and doing it again matters. So do it. Yeah, I agree 100%. And it's about self-awareness. I personally, what are you saying about putting negative self labels on you? I, I did that as far as, oh, I'm not a good 
top layer. So because I, I lost one time and, and on top and I created the story and I generalized and saying like, oh, that's how it is. And yep. until I started to question those things, like, hey, let me question the validity of this belief. Yeah. And then I started to learn how to, to reevaluate those. And that was cool because I started noticing the difference. You know, jujitsu competition really helped me, dude, during my process of growth with personal development and so forth because I was really testing that. What I was learning and trying to improve, I was competing yeah. and feeling that in all the anxiety and so forth. And uh, so that, but they came without self-awareness. You know, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I, everything that you said and for the listeners, it's just to really be self-aware, just pay attention to what you're telling, what stories have you been telling yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the difference between what happened and the story about what happened, right? So the story that, that you make up in your head. Yeah, and if I have to say, what is a one high-performance habit that has helped you to progress in jiu-jitsu, business, personal life, something that you do daily? Uh, well, <laughs> fuck, I wish I did it daily. Meditation, so... Okay. Uh, 10 days of meditation every day. It's like, it's like cleaning the proverbial kitchen of life. And this mm -hmm. is something I'm stealing from a Zen teacher, this guy, Bernie Glassman. And he talks about, uh, there's a great book called instructions to the cook where he talks about this is, uh, you know, Zen and meditation and sitting Zen is like, it's like cleaning the kitchen. Like you cook in your life, you like chop the vegetables, you, you, you make the eggs, you put the plate together. And that is your life. That is what you're doing with your life. And then you have to clean. You have to clean the dishes. You have to clean the surfaces of the counter. If I mean, you know, I cook four or five times a week. If I didn't clean the stuff every day, there would be, you know, mm -hmm. mice and cockroaches and my, my kitchen would smell terrible. So I have to clean every single day. Mm -hmm. So meditation for me allows me to kind of like clean everything and then allows you to come into something. Uh, and there's, I forget who said this, but there's a great, uh, saying that I heard one time that's like, if you, uh, you should meditate 10 minutes every day. Uh -huh. And, and if you don't have time to meditate 10 minutes every day, you should meditate 20 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. So what is the best advice you've ever received? Man, as it pertains to what, let's be a little more specific. That's too, <laughs> that's too general. Let's say entrepreneurship. Yeah, I mean, with entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is, um, I think it's a very lonely game. So people think, like, think about the glory of entrepreneurship and think about, oh, you know, they look at the magazines or, oh, they're their own boss and all this stuff. But it's, it's also very lonely because everything is on you and there are very few people, even people who care for you deeply, like your family, your friends, your loved ones, uh, they may want to understand and they will sit down with mm -hmm. you and li listen to you, but they don't truly understand. And there are very few people who truly understand. So one of the biggest things that I, that I got as a piece of advice is to seek a support system because there's this, like people don't talk about mental health when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I think mm -hmm. uh, the, the very same things that make people likely to be entrepreneurs. So like having that independent streak, the creativity, the spark, the energy, are the same things that put people at risk for, uh, um, or very similar to people put a mental, uh, at risk for mental health problems like uh, depression and anxiety. So I think uh, being able to seek out, being humble enough to seek out people who are um, that that can be a support system, 
with whom you can be very straightforward and honest and be like, hey, you know, shit sucks. And here's why it sucks and here's mm -hmm. how it sucks. Without necessarily seeking a solution, just being able to say that and being able to feel heard, that like, yeah, this person gets it. And yeah, and that's that. And be like a, 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 a reflecting wall back to you of, of your own emotions. Um, not trying to be, I think that's a piece of advice to answer your questions, not trying to be the superhero that can get through everything. Mm -hmm. uh, because, I mean, unfortunately, I know several people that have been entrepreneurs who have committed suicide. Mm -hmm. I've known, um, it, yeah, again, it can be very lonely and it can sometimes feel the dark side of what we said earlier about personal accountability, about what we said about taking responsibility. The dark side of that is that we can be very punishing with ourselves. So seeking people that can be your support system, uh, I think is really important. And being very self-aware to uphold you're asking the support for, because very often yeah. the loved ones, people who love and care about us, they're the one to tell you, you're going to hurt yourself. Don't do it. You're going to lose money because people have different perceptions about success, about life. And very often the loved ones, how did you handle the loved ones? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think it depends on everybody's particular loved one. So I don't, I mean, that's, that's a difficult question to answer, but mm -hmm. I would say, I would say the, um, yeah, the, the, the important thing is to make sure, I mean, what you just mentioned is the worst possible scenario, which is somebody truly doesn't get what you're doing and tells you like, you shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. I even think that in the best possible scenario, which somebody is there for you and does listen to you, if they're not doing something that is similar to what you're doing, uh, it, it's, it can sometimes be challenging to assimilate yes. that or to feel like you're truly being supported. So acknowledging that not everybody can be everything to you and like maybe that loved one can be supportive to some extent, but be extra, extra diligent about seeking out people with whom you connect and you're in the same plane. They're doing something similar to sit down. It's like, I don't know if somebody is like, like, let's say, uh, you know, I don't know, like make up whoever, let's just say Rodolfo Vieira or, so, or, 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 you know, uh, Buches or somebody who's competing at the like, you know, highest level of jujitsu, right? Like the pressure that they feel and everything like that. And they're making that their living. So they have to win because that's mm -hmm. where their endorsements come from. That's where their food on the table comes from. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so they probably feel a lot of tremendous amount of pressure. I don't know either one of them personally. I know I, I've gotten to know some cool folks in the, in the jujitsu community. And I, I don't know those guys, but, um, the pressure they must feel is tremendous. I suspect that those guys, when they get together, the two of them over a beer or acai or I don't know if they drink or whatever, mm -hmm. um, they can understand each other in a way in which even their closest girlfriend or, or wife yeah. or, or mother could not understand them because they're going through something similar. That's what I'm saying. Find people who are going through things that are similar enough to what you're doing that you can uh, get that support. Yeah. And it's interesting. It plays a move in my mind because I've been here in the U.S. for 20 years. So when I made a decision to move to the United States in 1999, well, first when I was 16, I announced to my family, basically, I want to pursue jiu-jitsu for a living. This is what I'm going to do. And at first, I think people just felt that, oh, jiu-jitsu is good, keep away from trouble and so forth. But they, I don't think they really thought because there's no really entrepreneurs in my family. And right. they had a very different perception of success. You know, yep. the typical, you go to college, you get a job and then retire the whole thing. And mm -hmm. 
it wasn't my thing. And it was, it was, my mom is my best friend and she, of course, she's, she's a very wise lady, but she, 20 years ago, her mindset was completely different. So when I talk about doing jujitsu and going to college for physical education, and then she was losing it, you know, like, I can't believe you're not going to make any money. I'm like, who's talking about money? You know, yeah. but I, a lot of people even thought, suggesting man man this is not a good time for you to go your career's going well right now in jiu-jitsu but i just had to go with my gut and i think this is the suggestion for the listeners to to really listen to you know their gut what yeah. do they really really feel and that social awareness like you said just being aware of who you're yeah. asking for opinions and so forth because very often People, yeah, they're going to have their own doubts and insecurities and they're going to try to pass to you and it's yeah. up to you to block it or absorb it. You know? And you have to know who you actually are, yeah. not, not who other people wish you were and not who you wish you were. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask me, like, do I wish that I was like, I don't know, like a competitive master's brown belt right now instead of a recreational purple belt? Yeah, I wish I was that. Like, sure, absolutely. That sounds great. But I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the things every day that I would need to do in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reality of that is, is I would need to lead my life differently if that's what I wanted to do. So the, we have to be uh, very honest with what are the th- who are we? What are the things that we're willing to do every day and how are we willing to do them? Uh, and, and then, you know, make our decisions for our life based on that, not on who other people want us to be and who exactly. we ourselves. I mean, if you really wish you could do that, that's fine, but make sure you put in the work that accompanies that wish. Otherwise it's just, uh, you're spinning your wheels. Now, what advice would you give to your younger self when you started, let's say proven nine years ago, based on all that you've seen and yeah. you said nine years, right? If yep. you have a conversation with a younger Pablo, you say, buddy, one thing, what that would be? I would probably have meditated more. I've only mm-hmm. really been getting into that. Uh, I think that my mind is, I mean, it's still kind of chaotic uh, and it's, uh, you know, becoming better every day. But I think it's, uh, I see that as a work that's never going to be done. I'm never going to be, you know, kind of like done. Oh, okay. I meditated. It's not like, it's not like a painting that you finish. Mm-hmm. Oh, the painting is finished. It's it's like cleaning the kitchen. You cook every day, so you you meditate every day. But yeah, definitely more. Uh, yeah, the quiet, the quieting the mind, and, and helping uh, you know get get some more perspective. Got it. And what book would you recommend to the listeners, and why? I usually ask for people to say what is a book that made an impact on you. It always depends what moment of your life you read the book. Yeah. It's something that I always mentioned mine was Psycho-Cybernetics. So that book really like, whoa, you know, it really kind of shook me. Do you have a, a specific book that, that shook you? Yeah, this is actually sort of a jujitsu book, but it's not a jujitsu book. Uh, it's a book called The Art of Learning by a gentleman named Josh Waitzkin. And Josh Waitzkin is a black belt under Marcelo Garcia. Uh, and he was a kid, uh, he was a young chess prodigy. Mm. Uh, that was on the, uh, he's a subject of the movie searching for Bobby Fisher. Um, and, uh, he has some really, I've never met him. Uh, I'd like to meet him someday. Um, I think the ultimate skill is learning. 
So you can be a good drawing person, you can be a good uh, podcaster, you can be a good, you know, jujitsu person, you can be a good, uh, uh, you know, father. So yeah, I mean, I think the ultimate skill is learning. The ultimate skill is being able to take whatever it is that you're doing and, and whatever you want to learn and apply yourself to that. And that book, The Art of Learning from Josh Waitzkin talks about how he did that with chess, how he did that with uh, a form of Tai Chi, I believe. And then he, he applied that to, to Jiu Jitsu. But ultimately, if you're able to learn how to learn and how you learn, mm-hmm. then, then you're unstoppable. Because there's nothing. I mean, you need to learn, you know, how to grow your internet, your, your internet marketing business. You can do that. You need to learn how to sell. You can do that. You need to learn how to design a product. You can do that. So. Got it. Now, what are you currently excited about? What's going on? What's going on with Proven? Where are you guys at right now? Yeah, the, the company's doing well. Uh, I'm really excited. I mean, the podcast, our podcast just uh, this month went up like 10 times in audience. Nice. Uh, yeah, and it actually, it's, it, it was a matter of patience. I don't know exactly like what happened. We must be on some list somewhere that I'm not aware of. So Small Business War Stories is now doing really well. So I'm excited about continuing to do that and finishing the book. Um, yeah, Proven's uh, serving thousands of small businesses nationwide. So if anybody needs to hire, you just go to Proven.com. We have a great hiring system that uh, is, uh, works very well for small businesses. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been working, I just love art. Uh, you know, I uh, play music in Austin. I shoot film photography. So for the podcast episodes, I shoot an actual portrait on film and an old camera and medium format. Uh, and then publish that together with the episode. So yeah, I just want to keep, you know, making art and, uh, and growing the company. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, I, that's the three things that says on the board behind me right there is this number one, sell software. Number two, make art. Number three, sleep. <laughs> nice. Nice. And, um, and with a podcast, um, I said, I've, I've been doing my for about five months now. So I got a little bit of, uh, yep. 20, but enjoying too that I get to learn from people like you have to learn from entrepreneurs getting different angles. So something that it can inspire people who are listening, but I'm learning at the same time, the same thing with you, how much, you know, yeah. you learn in a hundred interviews. Yeah, a lot, a lot. And I, I don't think I'm anywhere close to done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and whenever I also, I learn from doing these, right? Because I hear myself processing some of these things that have been useful to me that maybe I haven't verbalized before. Uh-huh. And just saying that and processing it is a good thing. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, the, the podcasting thing. I mean, I, the po- podcasts are kind of sexy now and people love having a podcast. Mm-hmm. And people, I get a lot of people ask me, hey, what should I do to start a podcast or should I start a podcast? I mean, answer to them is yes, absolutely. It's you, if you have something to say and you want to have a podcast and you know that this is something that you're going to do day in and day out, regardless of whether you see the immediate payoff, yeah, go for it. But if you're going to only do it, if like, hey, you're going to try it out for two months and if it doesn't like take off and blow mm-hmm. up and, and, and then, then you're going to go do something else, then that's just a waste of time because uh, yeah, it took yeah 20 months or so for us to, to really grow, start growing a lot. Uh, and, uh, and I think we're, you know, I, I, my time horizon is, I don't have a time horizon. I'm going to keep doing this. I love doing this. I love talking to small business people, learning their challenges. And, and, and uh, you know, I actually do, you know, like I said, I do it in person. So I drive around the country with my dog and my guitar 
and I play live music and I interview people and um, nice. I, I love doing that. So for me, uh, uh, it's something that my, my, my patience horizon is very long. Mm-hmm. and uh, I don't need it to work right away. I mean, it's part of our strategy with everything that I'm doing with the company, and it does benefit the company because we work with small businesses and I interview small businesses. But the podcast has nothing to do with, I don't talk about my company, and it's not like a commercial mm-hmm. for Proven. It's it's all about the, the guests and their stories. So. Awesome. And just remind the listeners, you're getting close to the end of the interview, and after that, I'll just have my final thoughts. So, Pablo, how can the listeners can find out more about you, about Proven, if you want to give website, social media, and also a final message for them? Yeah, um, the, um, you, know, you can find us at Proven.com, P-R-O-V-E-N.com, if you're interested in hiring for a small business. Uh, go check out our podcast, uh, Small Business War Stories. Uh, it's also Small Biz War Stories on Instagram. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can find us on iTunes and, uh, and Stitcher and uh, uh, Google, all the major platforms. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of advice, I mean, I don't know. Like, listen, <laughs> any advice that I've given here is worth what you paid for it. Zero. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all it's all about triangulating. So try to listen to as many people as you can. It's like Bruce Lee said, you know. And learn, learn something, take what's useful, reject what's not useful and make it your own. Yes. So talk to lots of different people, find your truth, triangulate your truth. I don't have the absolute truth. I promise you that. I don't think you have the absolute truth. And that's not an insult. That's just like our perspective. Reality. And that's just, you know, triangulate and, and don't stop learning. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pablo, for your time. I really appreciate. And for all the listeners, stick around for our final thoughts. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Pablo Fuentes. For those who are listening only to the final thoughts clip, Pablo is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and he's the founder and CEO of Proven, a leading small business hiring platform and content hub. He also hosts Small Business War Stories, a weekly podcast where he interviews small business owners and operators. The link is available on this episode's post at www.thebjjmentalcoachpodcast.com. I hope you're able to grab at least one good takeaway. Pablo addressed some important points like acknowledging the fear when the fear shows up and self-responsibility in everything you do. My main takeaway was when he talked about how lonely the world of entrepreneurship can be and how mental health issues have been on the rise everywhere. I don't know where you're currently at in your entrepreneurial journey, but personally, in my 20 years of living in the United States, for my last 10 years, I've been investing my time and money in my mental health. I'm talking personal development books, audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube videos, seminars, certifications, therapies, couples counseling, even when things are good, spiritual retreats, anything that can help me to raise my emotional maturity levels and help me to overcome and cope with my personal mental health issues so I can live a life authentic to my desires and inspire you, the listeners, to invest in your mental health as well. For these final thoughts, I invested four to five hours watching videos about mental health and entrepreneurship. And I thank Pablo for bringing up the topic because I learned a lot from the research and I'm going to share with you a little bit of what I heard. Here are some stats to give you a perspective. Dr. Michael Freeman, who is an executive coach to entrepreneurs and clinical professor of psychiatry at the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine, 
stated that in a research, 49% of entrepreneurs surveyed were dealing with at least one mental illness, such as attention deficit disorder, ADD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, bipolar disorder, addiction, depression, or anxiety. And about one-third of entrepreneurs struggle with two or more mental illnesses. By comparison, only about 32% of all adults in the United States report being diagnosed with one or more mental illnesses. When Pablo mentioned how lonely entrepreneurship can be, he shared how it can possibly lead to depression and consequently, in extreme cases, suicide. Matter of fact, suicide rate is up 25% in the last decade. A very recent well-known sad case was with Anthony Bourdain, who committed suicide at 61. Bourdain, who was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, was the host of the award-winning series Parts Unknown on CNN, where he shared cultures and cuisines from all over the world. From an outside perspective, his life looked great. However, everyone is fighting an internal battle that no one knows about it, including you. And what Pablo said was crucial. If you're struggling with your mental health, seek for help. Create a positive support system if you don't have one yet. Depression is no joke. There's an article available on Forbes.com by Amy Maureen called, There is a hidden dark side to being an entrepreneur. In the article, she said, quote, The life of an entrepreneur sounds glamorous when you're on the outside looking in, setting your own schedule, creating your own rules, and building the type of company you want to work for can be incredibly alluring, unquote. Freedom, right? However, you must pay a price. She said, quote, The hidden secret among many entrepreneurs is the psychological price they pay for their choices, unquote. In the article, she shares a few of the ways being an entrepreneur can take a toll on your psychological well-being. And the first one is depression. I'm going to read you three paragraphs from Amy's article. Quote, the isolation many entrepreneurs experience contributes to an increased risk of depression. Additionally, many entrepreneurs work such long hours that they are not able to take care of themselves. The times money mentality means they usually devote less time to sleep, leisure, exercise, and other activities that can ward off depression. Depression comes in in many forms, and it doesn't always present as sadness. Sleep difficulties, irritability, and change in weight are just a few symptoms that can be associated with depression. Entrepreneurs may mask depressive symptoms by working longer hours, or they may mistake their depressive symptoms with stress, which can cause symptoms to get worse. In extreme cases, entrepreneurs may also experience an increased risk of suicide. In fact, Shark Tank's Robert Herjavec recently revealed that he contemplated suicide last summer after the breakup of his marriage. His courageous revelation proves that extreme fame, fortune, and success doesn't buffer anyone from mental health issues, unquote. She also talks about self-worth issues, anxiety, and addiction. Now, let me ask you this. Do you ever catch yourself feeling anxious and you don't even know why? If you do and you don't know why you're anxious, I have one suggestion. Be curious. Be curious to figure out where is this coming from. Personally, I started to get involved with mental skills training and personal development because I was curious to understand the source of my anxiety. 
and sparked my interest in starting my personal development journey. Is my anxiety, and especially my social anxiety, gone? Absolutely not. However, I have a lot more tools to cope with my mental health issues, and you or someone you know can learn more tools as well if you invest your time and eventually money. There's so much free content available online, amazing information that you can learn to improve your mental health so you can live a life even more authentic to your desires. Do not underestimate your mental health. Developing a self-care plan is essential to combating your mental health issues. Making time for physical activity, spending time with people who love you and care about you, and one of the most important quotes that I've heard from the late Jim Rohn. Quote, learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, you make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you can make a fortune. Unquote. Yes, entrepreneurship can get lonely in moments, and it can bring a lot of anxiety during your journey. However, you must consistently, and that is the key word, consistently work on yourself because when the tough times come, and they will come, you will have more tools and knowledge to handle possible personal mental health issues. Another quote that is very important to take in consideration is, quote, before diagnose yourself with depression or low self-esteem, first make sure that you're not, in fact, just surrounded by assholes, unquote. Who is your support system? Who do you hang out with? Jim Rome, the motivational speaker, teaches the power of the association and how we're the average of the five people we hang out the most. He asks three questions for reflection. The first one is, who are you around? Who do you hang out with? Now, the second question is, what person are you becoming because of the influence of this association? Where do you go? What do you eat? What do you speak? What do you listen to? What habits did you pick up because of the influence of this association? And now the third and final question is, is that okay? According to your values and morals, everything is good. The associations that you have, you have no issue. If so, awesome. Now, if you say, ah, Gustavo, mm, not really, then something needs to change. To live a life authentic to your desires, you will have to make uncomfortable calls and crucial conversations that will not satisfy everyone. However, you must stick with your values so you can surround yourself with a positive support system. And to close, here's the thing. Regardless if you're an entrepreneur or not, and you're struggling with mental health issues, seek for help. This is more common than you imagine, and you're definitely not alone. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.